The Chicago Bears lose a back-breaking game to the Los Angeles Chargers 17-16, and with their record falling to 3-4, their season is legitimately in question. I recap the game and more on this episode of Bear With Me. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, on the Windy City Gridiron Podcasting Network, where folks like me, Lester Wiltfong, now Bill Zimmerman, Jeff Burkus, and EJ Snyder are working hard to give you the best Bears content we can on a week-to-week basis. Now, honestly, with the way that this season's gone, I gotta be honest, I'm a little bummed that I've drawn post-game duty because these games are hard to talk about. They certainly have been. I mean, in this Bears game, we just watched the Bears seem to find every way to lose in a game in which the Chargers seem to do nothing but try to give the game back to the Bears themselves. I hate saying it because I know I was one of the many people that really thought this Bears team had a chance to go somewhere, but this game looked like a 2-5 and five team visiting a 3-3 three and three team, and I couldn't stand that. Everything from the play calling, to the offensive execution, to the occasional defensive gaffes, though they haven't been horrible, to kicking woes, oh my goodness, this was a rough, rough game to watch if you're a Bears fan, and so I'll do what I can to comb over the game and give some initial thoughts on what's going on with this team, what is resolvable, and what we should realistically expect going forward. This is going to be a hard conversation because, well, I'm not going to lie to you. The Bears don't even look like they're prepared to challenge for a playoff spot at this point, let alone win eight games. So we'll have to see how things play out. But either way, if the Bears want to be successful, they're flat out going to have to find some kind of way to improve what they're doing on offense. I mean, let's not play any games here. The Bears just lost a game in which their opponent, the Los Angeles Chargers, who, forgive me if I ever call them the San Diego Chargers, I am truly still getting used to it, dropped at least two touchdown passes, consistently had wide receivers slipping, turned the ball over and gave the Bears the ball at the five early on, and the Bears still managed to lose. These guys had the ball for seven minutes in the first half. For crying out loud, this was a game the Bears needed to dominate. They should have dominated it. They needed to dominate it, but they didn't. And between some strange coaching decisions, especially down near the red zone, some poor quarterback play, other issues on offense, the Bears just allowed this one to slip through their fingers and honestly, with it, very well may go the season. So I guess as we'll talk about this, just to make sure it's palatable for all of us, for every time I talk about a negative topic, I'll try to balance it with a positive topic of some kind. I'll be upfront and tell you that I haven't actually rewatched the game yet, so this is all off the top of my head, but I'll try to do my best. First things first, let me be completely clear. This was the first game where I've ever really, truly questioned Matt Nagy, where I didn't have some kind of fun excuse that I was able to come up with that made me feel better about what was going on and helped me hope for the next one, especially when it came to the way he was coaching in the first half and the general sluggishness with which the Bears' offense seemed to get off the bus, even though they were at home, but just roll with that phrase. 
I was really disappointed in not only the team overall, but also the way we were calling plays. Now, if you've ever listened to me talk about play calling before, you'll know that I try to avoid critiquing it, because after all, there are a lot of different philosophies surrounding play calling, and so I'm only going to try to pick at various play designs when I can, and then talk about what works and what didn't work. But in this case, what drove me wild was the Bears seemed to either use brain-dead up-the-middle runs without too much chance of success, or, and these were the ones that really ground my gears, and you could tell because of something that I'll talk about a little bit later in the show, I'm sure, but throughout the first half, Matt Nagy made a habit of running somebody, often Tariq Cohen, on some sort of pattern that was quote-unquote unpredictable, but realistically, it was extraordinarily predictable. I don't have a specific play that comes to mind, but you can think of almost any of the shotgun runs with a little bit of extra motion or a whole bunch of blockers on the right-hand side, but we ran somebody on the left or Cohen going up the middle and getting almost no yards. Sometimes, I know one of these happened near the gold line, Cohen would pick the wrong hole, but more often than not, I was absolutely shocked that Nagy didn't want to just hand the ball to Montgomery and run hard. Now, I do want to get something out of the way early, though. I thought David Montgomery was fabulous. Consider this a massive positive. He seemed like he was doing a great job of fighting for yardage. He obviously broke off that 53-yard scamper, and that was a whole lot of fun to watch. He took advantage of many of the holes that were there. He seemed to read his blockers as well as he could, and generally speaking, a whole lot of the runs where he broke multiple tackles, because he had quite a few of them where he'd break two or more tackles, seemed to come at very opportune times. That was a major plus for the Bears. But that being said, the Bears' run blocking wasn't quite ready to truly be leaned on in this game, and you could tell because there were still tons of runs where Montgomery or Cohen, but in this case often Montgomery because he did get the bulk of the carries, would still get stuffed. So I don't want to act as if the run game was the truth. It was just better than trusting Trubisky, generally speaking, but that's a conversation for another time. Either way, in this first half, what drove me wild was we kept handing the ball to Cohen on over-designed plays. That's the key. You could tell what they thought they were going to do, where they would see if they couldn't get this guy moving with some motion here, or see if you could... I remember there was one play that comes to mind where I think Trubisky faked two separate handoffs, or at least faked a pitch out to his left-hand side, and then handed it off to a running back that got met immediately. I mean, the blocking wasn't quite ready yet for prime time, if you will, but more importantly, these plays weren't helping anybody. I'm not campaigning that the Bears go back to the I formation like I know tons of people are, but the I formation did actually seem to work pretty well for the Bears on the whole today, and in general, it seemed as if Matt Nagy wanted to leave his mark on the first half, and oh well he did, but it wasn't a positive mark, because down near the red zone, with David Montgomery at this point being one of the only real positive forces for the Bears, Matt Nagy called a short, um, we're going to call it a run play, technically it's a forward pass, but it's more of an outside run for Cordero Patterson, uh, and then he called two more pass plays after that. 
one of them was one of the weirder play action rollouts that I've just about ever seen. In fact, I don't even know if it was a play action rollout, but it was a shotgun rollout for Trubisky. And I really would have expected there to be some kind of under center action handoff. But hey, I mean, I guess Nagy just doesn't use under center enough for that to apply. But either way, nobody was really open. And then, of course, they had the straight drop back to, for Shaheen. This, of course, all coming, I believe, after Fuller's interception. Huge play for the Bears that they weren't really able to convert much on. But either way, ultimately, red zone play calling was a huge problem today. And frankly, in a first half in which they got inside the 10-yard line three times and only came away with nine points, of course, that is included in a first half that saw the Bears miss a 33-yard field goal off the upright because, goodness, this kicking position is cursed. That ended up coming back to haunt the Bears because I'm not going to come out here and say that every offense needs to come out swinging and convert all three of those touchdowns, but hey, let's say they do. If Pinheiro hits his kick on top of that, you're looking at a 7-24 to blowout for the Bears. But instead, it was 7-9, to and the Bears took a tenuous lead in a half, and as we know, that just wasn't enough. They lost 17-16. to but yes, either way, with David Montgomery being the force that he was for the Bears, one of the real only positive forces in the offense, I was amazed that in this first half, Matt Nagy seemed completely reluctant to give the ball to Montgomery at all. And I get the impression, if I know Nagy at all, that he would have told you outright, well, yeah, they're going to line up to try to take Montgomery away, so I got to go somewhere else. But there's a point where that just doesn't work anymore, and you've got to trust your offensive line to go open up a hole and hand the ball to Montgomery with a little bit of room so that he can try to get into the end zone. I know, these aren't fabulous solutions, and I'm not the coach that's sitting out there on the field, and there's, chances are, very good reasons that Nagy didn't do just this, but it was a bad, bad look, and since nothing else worked, it was a big, big problem in my opinion. And part of that, don't get me wrong, is because the quarterback isn't executing things well, but if you've been listening to me at all over the last couple of weeks, that's become enough of a theme that I would expect Nagy to coach around that. I do honestly think that Mitch should have hit Robinson for a touchdown in one of those play calls, the one where Mitch underthrew him or threw it behind him or whatever you want to call that, but Either way, if that throw is in more of a catchable position for your best receiver on the team, he's able to snare that ball and try to tuck that thing into the end zone, and it honestly looked like he was going to be able to. So that means that in, in nine really nasty play calls, Nagy probably called one touchdown. And certainly there was that fade to Allen Robinson after he got held, where yes, we got bailed out by penalty, but it certainly seemed as if Robinson was still going to be open and you would hope the throw would be better, but I'm not trying to turn my Gatling gun on Trubisky for this section because he he's getting enough criticism and well-deservedly so. I think Mitch Trubisky has been a huge problem and I can't stand the fact that in what was supposed to be his breakout year, he's instead been a total disappointment, but I want to save all the Trubisky stuff for whether it's later in this podcast or another time, we will see, but he's played poorly, but I want to make sure we talk about Nagy and make sure he gets the criticism he's due. Now his 20 to 20 play calling, that's the play calling between our 20 and their 20, 
actually seemed like it was fairly decent, and I did really appreciate how he got Anthony Miller involved early and tried to keep him going often because I'll go to bat for Anthony Miller the more I've been stewing on all this stuff, even with his mental mistakes. I think Anthony Miller's too good a playmaker not to use, so it's always good to see the Bears using him. He got open early, he made some big plays, that was a whole lot of fun to see. So another positive that I guess I have is Anthony Miller played really well, but I was very, very surprised at what has become a bit of a trend for him Cohen played really, really poorly, and who knows, maybe part of that's because of the concussion-worthy hit that it certainly looked like he sustained early on in the game, but they also left him in on punt returns and even tried to play him throughout the rest of the half, so I really don't know what to say about that, other than I guess we have to talk about Cohen as if he was fully mentally healthy. Again, it really looked to me like after he ducked his head on, I believe, it was a run around the they were on the Chargers side of the field and it was a right side run. Cohen ran out and he engaged the defender. The defender put his head into Cohen's head, not targeting wise, but more just shoulders clacked and the heads clacked too because, you know, heads are attached to shoulders. Uh, and then it certainly looked like Cohen lost his lights, so to speak. He stumbled out of bounds. The football fell out. He was slower to get up. That looked like a concussion related hit to me. Certainly something similar to what Sherrick McManus sustained only a couple of weeks ago, but hey, the coaching staff left him in, so I guess they get the discretion to do that. But outside of that, and we saw this a little bit last week too, uh, Tariq Cohen just is not as explosive as he was last year, and I don't know what happened. I may need to go back and watch some 2018 tape to really get a feel for just how electric he was last year, but this hasn't been the same player in 2019. And yeah, I believe that it's worth appreciating the fact that teams are likely playing him much more intensely, but at the same time, he doesn't seem like he's able to create near as much on his own as he was last year, and that's a big problem for a guy who's supposed to be this laterally dangerous, quick-footed spark plug for the offense, and if we don't have that, well, we've got to find it somewhere else, and there's only so many places you can look when you've set this team up to function around a speed guy like Cohen. Truly, I have no idea what the problem is with him, but wildly enough, when it came to the second half, because I guess we'll bleed into the second half a little bit now, Nagy almost entirely phased him out. He left him in on punt returns, but Tariq Cohen did not have much of a role in the backfield at all from there. And maybe that was partially because of concussion things, but also it seemed like it worked out better for the Bears because Cohen's carries from the first half were not good and he did not pick up near as much yardage as Montgomery seemed to be. And if we're sitting here saying that phasing Tariq Cohen out of the offense was a smart idea that the Bears needed to do, then I'm going to say that may have worked in the short term, but in the long term, that really stinks. Because, again, we were counting on Tariq Cohen to be a foundational part of this offense. Foundational may be a bit of a strong word, but he was supposed to be a major change of pace component, a weapon in the slot, 
and in the backfield, and that's just not what we've gotten. And I do think it's part of what's holding the Bears' offense back. But again, between the coaching things and the quarterback-related stuff and the offensive line issues and our general inability to run the ball, there's a lot more finger-pointing to go on than just looking at Cohen and saying, you're it, you're the reason. So I don't want to put it entirely on him, but I will say I'm very, very worried about Cohen going forward. I could probably talk more about Nagy's run scheme and why I think that his actual play design is part of what's holding the Bears back when it comes to running the football, but truth be told, that's just going to be better in a video, so I'll see if I can't mix that into whatever video-related review that I put out later in the week, because now that I have power and internet, yes, I absolutely plan on putting something together. A game like this absolutely deserves it, so we'll see what I can come up with from that. Also, I guess it bears mentioning that, of course, since football's not just a one-sided sport and the offense isn't all that matters, we might as well talk about the defense, where the net positive was that they shut the Chargers down with everything they had in the first half. It wasn't near as tenacious as what we saw in Washington. Akeem Hicks's leadership is obviously sorely missed, and frankly, Khalil Mack has not had a fabulous couple of games, but the Bears made plays when it counted, they kept the Chargers off the field, consistently forcing issues on third down that Phillip Rivers wasn't able to overcome, and even picking him off on a jailbreak blitz, very nice call by Chuck Pagano, even better play by Kendall, uh, Kyle Fuller, and yes, that's a joke, I just can't believe his name is still getting mispronounced nowadays, So thanks, Fox. But the play set the Bears up on the five-yard line right after they had missed a red zone opportunity, and I can't believe they didn't make anything out of it. But hey, if that wasn't the story of this game against the Chargers, I don't know what was. But then we move into the second half, and honestly, I want to scratch Nagy's back a little bit. So before I sound like a total homer, I do want to point out that I think that Nagy has to wear the fact that the offense always seems to be a step behind in execution to whatever opponent they're playing. And when it comes to things like drops or receivers running shoddy routes, I just generally think a lot of that has to fall on the coach. But that being said, when it comes to his other role of play caller, I actually thought he adjusted fairly well. Again, like we talked about earlier, he phased Cohen out of the offense. He ran the ball with Montgomery almost explicitly and exclusively. In fact, if I'm remembering the drive correctly, I believe he opened up the half with five straight David Montgomery runs, which is very reminiscent of what Thomas Jones did. And I know that because I've spent a lot of time looking at Thomas Jones's footage recently. But then the Bears had to get put Mike Davis in to give Montgomery a break. The running, of course, then almost immediately immediately fizzled out, or at least that's what it seemed like, and the Bears punted. Bears fans, by the way, have been very vocal, and I guess I want to give them credit for just making themselves known, because the Boo Birds were out in force, and they were really out in force after the Saints game, but in this game, you could tell the Bears fans wanted to win, you could tell they knew this team was disappointing them, and that, of course, broke my heart sitting at home, because I couldn't imagine just how it felt to be out there after having paid so much money, likely scheduling your whole day around it to go and watch this game live, ugh, that just had to be the worst. But either way, 
Matt Nagy started to run the offense as if it was old school Chicago offense to some degree. He ran the ball and then he ran it again and then he ran it again, oh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He got away from what he usually does because a whole lot of Matt Nagy's personality and offense really does seem to be tied up in these gimmicky play designs. That's what it seems to be to quote unquote be you in the eyes of Matt Nagy. And this was a very un-Nagy offensive game plan and so I think we have to give credit where credit is due and say, okay, Nagy, you did a solid job there. We would like to see a little bit more of that. And David Montgomery never really did anything wrong, so huge positive there when it comes to the offense. And Charles Leno seemed like he was back to being his old self again, but none of it really seemed to matter because after Nagy was able to help the offense manufacture a touchdown early in the second half, the Bears stopped the Chargers on defense. They force the Chargers to punt. They get the ball back on offense. And here, as the fourth quarter started, was where I felt like the game really started to unravel. And unfortunately, there's really only one guy to blame for that, and that's Mitchell Trubisky. So Mitch, first things first. I mean, so yeah, he throws his interception, but if I saw it correctly, that was a great play by the cornerback. It was a great call by the defensive coordinator, and it was something that straight up, Mitch Trubisky just has to see it coming that's unacceptable for a quarterback in his third year second year of the offense not to read that as zone coverage especially given that from what I saw so if Mitch had thrown it with more anticipation per se I probably would give him more slack on this because the corner's bailing out as if he's in man and then he just stops and sits in his zone but Mitch seems to a underthrow this ball to Burton in the first place, and B, he also totally misses the corner's assignment, which is backbreaking, because then, of course, the Chargers pick the ball off, and now they sit in Bears territory. But... The Bears' defense stops the Chargers. And not only do they stop the Chargers, but the field goal kicker, whose name completely escapes me, whoever the Los Angeles kicker is, uh, I apologize for not knowing your name, but either way, he misses. So that means that the Bears get the ball back again from roughly the same spot. Okay, and they're still up six points. That works because here's the thing, Bears fans, in the fourth quarter, up six points, what we were looking for, and we all know it, but I'm just going to state the obvious, we wanted to see our guy, Mitch Trubisky, establish himself, drive down the field, win the game early, go get those points, put this thing away. Well, uh, a couple plays later, a one of the more infamous plays of this game happens where Taylor Gabriel, who I wish could be more mixed into this offense, certainly he's been his usual self on third down where he's getting open and he's catching balls and that's great, but he gets wide open on a throw that Trubisky, let's call it like it is, he just has to hit it. I mean, Trubisky had a clean pocket, he let that ball go, and it, oh gosh, oh it missed Gabriel, and it should have been a touchdown in that play alone. And not only that, but Trubisky follows it up with a fumble that looked way too easy to give away. That set the Chargers up inside the Bears' territory again. In fact, they actually recovered this one, I believe, just outside the 20-yard line, and they hammered it home, and now the Chargers have a lead. 
oh gosh, this was just so bad. I mean, given a game plan that was so focused on running the ball, Nagy finally got into throwing it a little bit. Guys seemed like they were open. Mitch was hitting on throws. And then to have that interception and then follow it up with a missed touchdown attempt and a fumble that effectively gave the Chargers the lead back, that was backbreaking. And that's everything you don't want your quarterback to do. It was, I mean... Let me just say it like it is, I guess. It was hard to watch, and I'm getting tired of watching it personally, and I don't know what the Bears plan on doing about their quarterback situation, but I will go on record, and yes, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think it might realistically be just about time to move on from Trubisky. Ryan Pace, the GM, intentionally shortened this window when we traded for Khalil Mack, who's only getting older and his contract is only getting more expensive. So we needed 2019 and 2020 to be the push all your chips in and gun for the Super Bowl years. Well, given the way things have worked out here in 2019, that's not happening. I don't have any idea what it would take for the Bears to make the playoffs, but it would have to be something only a little bit short of a miracle. Heck, I'm not even 100% certain we're going to be able to beat Philadelphia, let alone win, what, all the rest of our games? It's a tall order, to say the least, and that means you got to start thinking about 2020 as soon as you can. And if you really think that you can develop Mitch, and that come 2020, he'll finally be ready to not only compete in an average level, but hopefully an above average level for the amount of time we're waiting around on Mitch, then great. Roll with him. I don't think he's ever going to get there. And I don't know whether that's a Nagy problem. Certainly it very well could be. Nagy is starting to show more and more warts as he continues to play with Trubisky. Or it could just be a Trubisky problem. And maybe you take a look around the league and see who you can trade for, given that the trade deadline is this Tuesday. The Bears very well could have a new signal caller in. And while they learn the offense, you either play Trubisky or you play Daniels that, frankly, it kind of seems like he's run a better offense so far. And then you come back in 2020 with theoretically a signal caller that now is in his second year in the offense again because you traded for him at the deadline and maybe you've brought in further veteran competition like Marcus Mariota or somebody that Pace already likes and then you're able to either get the most out of Trubisky or heck you could even cut him out right and just make a run with the guys that you have because let's be really clear here Bears fans a lot of the Bears skill players are good am I saying that they're the best players in the league no that's not fair they're obviously Obviously not producing at that level, but I stand by guys like Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller. I think David Montgomery is a solid running back and can be used in a good offense. Tariq Cohen, guys like Kyle Long, uh, frankly, the white-haired Daniels switch, uh, I don't know. A lot of times fans will be way too high on their players and who knows, maybe we are about some of those things. Bobby Massey had a really solid season last year, but does that make him an average to above average offensive tackle? Again, I don't really know. He seemed to be last year. This year he's been all right. Leno certainly picked his play back up and all of that should mean this offense is better than the total cellar dweller offense that it is, but it's not. And Nagy has to wear that. So does Trubisky. So does just about everybody on the offense. But I think it's those two that, of course, are the focal point. 
I personally believe that competent quarterback play gets a lot more out of this offense. Certainly, you just need a quarterback that's going to be able to convert on the opportunities they have. Like, for instance, and this is going to sound like I'm splitting hairs, but it's a big deal to me. That throw that Trubisky made to Allen Robinson that put the ball on the five and then David Montgomery ran it in, that throw needs to be a touchdown. With the way Allen Robinson was positioned, it seemed as if he was trying to keep his cornerback underneath him with his back towards the entire open corner of the end zone so that Trubisky could loft the ball into that corner and Robinson could bail back, catch the ball, and turn it into a touchdown. Instead, Trubisky's placement seemed to locate that ball way too close to the defensive back, certainly well within the defensive back's reach, and instead Robinson had to jump over the defensive back to rip the ball away from that defensive back, basically intercepting it from the defensive back, and then of course he went to the ground and the Bears were able to score. That works out, sure, but if the Bears had a quarterback that was able to hit receivers in stride, I think that would do wonders for this offense. Obviously, that's a lot to ask. If every team could have a quarterback that hit guys in stride, they'd all have one. But if you don't think Trubisky can do that, I do think you have to look as wherever you can, because if you don't, this team, the bottom is going to fall out over the next couple of years. Their cap situation's only going to get tighter and tighter, and it makes you wonder how they're going to be able to pay some of the guys that they have, like Eddie Jackson. But, I mean, on the bright side, if there's any bright side to Trubisky being who he has been, at least you don't have to extend him so you can keep going with some sort of cheap quarterback, you know, unless you sign a veteran for expensive money. But we're already starting to get long on time, so I want to talk about one last decision that really really shocked me. So, this is not going to be a fair comparison. I'm just going to say that now because I think it's bears mentioning. But when Matt Nagy took a knee before kicking the ball on what was a 42-41 yard field goal, I remember thinking to myself, oh goodness, this feels way too similar to when Mark Tressman kicked on second down with Robbie Gould and lost the game, though I cannot remember who. I just remember it was in overtime. Maybe it was Minnesota, but I don't actually know. Either way, I remember sitting there thinking to myself, okay, Matt, a little bit of a weird decision, but this has got to work. Oh, please, please work. And then obviously it didn't. And this was a bad game by Pinheiro. Let's be straight up about that. But he's also been pretty good this season in general. I believe he came into the game 9 for 10. Uh, not 100% certain on that one. So you can fact check me, all you sleuthy Bears fans out there. But... In general, after the Denver make that won the Bears the game, I think Pinheiro earned a little bit of grace, and yes, you definitely want him to make a 33-yard field goal or a 41-yard field goal, let alone both, which usually is the standard for NFL kickers, but sometimes you have a bad day, so if it happens again, that's a problem. If it doesn't, think he's fine. But either way, it was certainly curious because for those of you who don't know, Matt Nagy called a kneel with 42 seconds left on the clock and a timeout in hand. Now, that certainly struck me as strange. It's not what I would have done. And 
I'm a crazy aggressive person. I probably would have thrown the ball. Uh, that's just me. I know it's risky. I absolutely know it's risky. Of course I know it's risky. But these last couple of games, especially with the way the Bears season has gone, uh, seem to me like they've been more Trubisky tryout games than a lot of things. Like, yes, of course you want the win, but you also want to make sure that you do that in such a way that you get to see who Trubisky is. And so I might have put the ball in his hands and tried to see if I couldn't squeeze out eight more yards either along the sidelines or over the middle. I mean, you have a lot of options open to you because I would have expected the Chargers defense to really fence in David Montgomery or at least to try to. But as plenty of people, frankly, I pointed out on uh, Windy City Gridiron's board, that throw is extraordinarily risky, like calling a throw at all and running the ball makes a lot more sense. So I see both sides. Running the ball does make a lot of sense, but I'm with pretty much everybody on this. I would have run another play. I, I just would have. It seemed extraordinarily curious to me not to. Uh, obviously, it backfired, and I understand that he was fairly snippy with the media afterwards and attempted to defend himself by basically just saying, nah, it's too risky, so on and so forth. But... I kind of just disagree. I mean, I think you run a play. It's also a little curious to me that Pinheiro likes the ball over there on that left hash, but hey, uh, to each their own. I assume that's where he liked it because Matt Knight, or because Mitchell Trubisky didn't move the ball when he kneeled it down. But I mean, hey, uh, the Bears lost this game. They lost it for a lot of reasons. Uh, it wasn't just on the quarterback, though I think good quarterback play, let alone, I'm, let's just call it average quarterback play, probably results in a Bears, maybe not a blowout, but definitely a win. I would have liked to see a couple of better coaching moments, but ultimately I did think Matt Nagy did enough. Seriously, baffling decisions, uh, especially at the end of the game. The kneel down was very weird to me. That clock management at the end of the first half was horrific. That was so, so bad. The one where David Montgomery got a handoff, and then uh, I believe the Chargers just sort of laid on the ball, which is exactly what any team is going to do. And they were able to, of course, wait the clock all the way down to one second, and then Pinheiro knocked the ball in. That's on Nagy, too. Uh, so it's not as if Nagy was perfect, but the team just didn't play well enough. Pinheiro could have been better. That would have helped the Bears win. Nagy could have been better. That probably would have uh, helped the Bears win if he does better. And of course, there's Trubisky. So there's big problems. Uh, and yeah, there's a lot to talk about, though I'm sure we'll have weeks and weeks to discuss it. And this podcast has already hit its basic time limit. So I'm going to call it here. Uh, Bears fans, that's really all I have for you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please let me know. Uh, if you didn't, I'd love to hear why. Please provide any feedback that you can. That is so, so great for us. And of course, please head over to wherever it is that you listen to this show, iTunes, Spotify, wherever it is, and drop us a five-star rating and subscribe to the show. That helps us get the word out to any other Bears fans all across the nation so that they can hear our show too. And that's really awesome. If you like what I have to say, 
feel free to follow me on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z, where I'm consistently trying to offer opinion, tweet out analysis, or whatever else I can, especially during the game itself. And of course, keep an eye on my YouTube channel or just on Windy City Gridiron, where I'll be posting my latest game review video that I certainly hope to put together over the next couple of days. Bears fans, this was a hard, hard loss to take, but if for no other reason than it'll be interesting to see what Pace and Nagy do with this situation at hand, I know I'll keep watching this season, and I hope that you will too. And until next time, bear down, and thanks so much for bearing with me. (laughs) 